God bless you. Amen. We want to grab your Bibles here this morning. We can open up to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And then if you want to, uh, just put a finger there and go over to Psalm chapter 23. We're going to spend, uh, we're just going to read that chapter as well. I want to say it's so good to have Daisy and Grant and your family here with us today. And uh, so blessed to have you at New Life. Welcome here in Kinderville. Daisy is with the Mel Harker's granddaughter, and they are here visiting with him. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 8, which is where we're going to begin, and we are continuing in a series that uh, we have, have been in uh, the last several weeks. Last week being Easter Sunday, we uh, took just a uh, one-week break from this, but whether or not you have been here uh, is is okay. Well, I don't want to give you just a little lead in to what we are discussing here on these Sunday mornings because the subject matter is that of being spirit led. And you know, we every one of us uh we are on a journey through this life and uh whether we want to um whether we want to admit it or not, we are all being led by something. We are being led, perhaps, by the culture that uh, surrounds us. Uh, perhaps we are just being led of our own selves. Or perhaps today there is somebody that would submit to the Spirit of God that He has given you and that you would be led by that Spirit and this is the hope and the prayer that we would have and that I believe God would have for you is that you would receive his spirit and that you would then be led by his spirit. And so this is this is our hope today. Now, when we say that, sometimes it, it conjures up these thoughts of of something that is kind of out there, kind of distant, that it's, uh, you know, what does that really mean to uh, be led by the Spirit of God. And, and our hope in this series is really to demystify some of that and to, to try to, to put this into terms that, that we can understand today of what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it tells us that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And this is what I want, the, 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 to be a child of God. But in order to be a child of God, he says, you need to be led by the Spirit of God. That children of God uh, are, are led and they are instructed by the Spirit of God. And this isn't just a one-time thing or just a, uh, and it, you know, every once in a while type of thing. But it is a daily Thing to be led by the Spirit of God. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it tells us, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. This Spirit of truth that it's talking about is that same Spirit, that Spirit of God. And that Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, is to be led in a, on a path that will lead to truth. 
It's not going to lead you astray. We talked about in our first week uh, of this, this subject matter that the place, the destination that the Spirit is leading every one of us is the same destination. It's leading us to heaven. That's the destination of that the, the Spirit it has its, sight, its sights locked in on that. If, it's a, if you would call it a GPS system, that's what's been plugged in as the destination is to get you to heaven. But there's a journey. You're not in heaven yet. And so we are to be led by the Spirit here. And uh, we talked about the highway that it will take you on. In order to get you to heaven. And the highway for every one of us is the same as well. It's the highway of holiness. And we we follow that spirit of God. And it will lead us along that highway of holiness. In order to get to heaven. But when we are along that. Or going on that highway. We can look around. And you can see evidence of the fact that you're on a highway. If you've driven much you can uh, you uh, look around and you know the difference between a highway and a country road i grew up driving on country roads and i grew up grew up just out in the country where uh, we had uh, we had a farm and all the farm animals that were there and and when we uh, my dad would talk about his neighbor and we would talk about our neighbors uh, it wasn't the person that was, uh, you know, about 10 feet away and their house was right there. But now we're talking like two miles down the road. That's our neighbor because uh, that's like the next closest house is right there. And so uh, the, the country roads that we would go along, uh, you, you would uh, drive those roads and you look and you see the stop signs and you see the, uh, the, the big fields that are there and you can see. Uh, the difference between that and when you're on a highway. When you're on a highway, you see the billboards and you see the exits that are going off the highway and you see uh, that there are no stoplights or stop signs that are going to slow you down. But you're on a highway and there's evidence that you're on a highway. And we see the evidence when we are on the path and being spirit-led. There's evidence of the fact that we are on the right path, that we are being led by the Spirit. And that's what I want to focus in on here today. We're going to use this familiar passage of Psalm chapter 23 and use this as a bit of a guide here this morning. It tells us that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It goes on to say that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, and thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is a, a 
familiar passage to us, but it begins here with this uh, picture that it paints for us of the Lord being the shepherd of our lives. The Lord being the one that is leading us. That's what the role of the shepherd is. The role of the shepherd is that of a leader. It's that of one who is who is out in front and is, is leading the flock, is leading them to green pastures, leading them beside the still waters, leading them to the places that they need to go. Now, sometimes the sheep look around and they say, it sure seems like we're in a dangerous place. But he says, don't worry, we're in the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't have to fear anything for I am with you. The shepherd is with you. And it may look as though things are bleak, but he says, as long as I'm leading you, you can trust me. You're going to be all right. We're going to make it through. And so we, uh, we as spirit led believers, we are the sheep that are following the voice of the shepherd. You know, sheep are familiar with the voice of the shepherd. They become familiar with their, the voice of their shepherd and they will tune into that voice when he begins to call. And, and I want to uh, just look here at first just at three ways that the spirit of God would lead us. Three different manners in which this, uh, this spirit led life may manifest itself. And the first of which is through the word of God. When I'm talking about the voice of the shepherd, the voice can come out right here. This is the voice of God that you never have to question. The voice of the shepherd is speaking to us today. I believe that the words that are in this book are still alive and are still speaking as loudly and as clearly today as they were when they were first written. That the word of God is here to lead us and to guide us. Psalm 119 verse 105. Is, uh, this whole chapter uh, is, is one that focuses in on the word of God. But this scripture in particular, Psalm 119 verse 105 says that the, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path that the word of God, it will light your way that you, it, it may not be, uh, a, a spotlight and, and the, the high beams on your, on your car where it illuminates, you know, everything out in front of you, but it, it gives you enough, uh, to go on to know where's my next step. What does my next step need to, where does my next step need to be? And it is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. It, it, it allows me to see, uh, you know, what the next, uh, place in this journey is. And there's, there's other scriptures, uh, that point to the word of God as, uh, as being the bread of life. That the word of God is, is bread to us. It, it will feed you. It will sustain you. It is the bread of life for us. And, you know, for, for me, I don't know about you, but, uh, but every day, nearly every day that I wake up, I get hungry. Anybody else in here, you get hungry kind of on a daily basis, maybe even 
a couple times throughout the day, you get hungry and you need just a little bit of food to get you through the day. You need a little bit of food to get you some energy for the day. And, and the, the word of God is the same as that is, is the same as the physical uh, food that we would intake into our bodies. It's, it is something that, that we need on a daily basis. You know, when the, uh, Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, uh, led out into the wilderness from Egypt, uh, with, with Moses leading them and them being led by, by God, they went out and they began to, uh, you know, complain about the fact that they didn't have much food. And then they woke up that next day and all around the grounds, uh, surrounding them were these little white flakes of something. They began, they, they looked out there and, and they said, well, what is this? What is it? That Hebrew word, what is it, is one word, which is manna. What is it? They, they looked out and they, they, they saw this thing that was there and it was that somebody picked it up and, and they said, well, let me, let me just taste this a little bit and see. Uh, I don't know if that's always my first response, but you know, just to, you see some unfamiliar thing and you just put it in your mouth and say, oh, I mean, that's my, I mean, maybe it was the toddler first because that's what my youngest does. Uh, my one-year-old, he's picking up everything and he'll put it in his mouth and he might spit it out if he doesn't like it, but more often than not, it just, he'll eat it. When he began, they began to eat it and they, they would, they tasted it and they realized, well, this tastes pretty good. It had a little bit of sweetness to it. It said that it had, it was a, it was a, uh, somewhat of a bread, uh, thing that was on the ground and, and it had a, a honey type of a taste to it. It was something that it was able to provide their need. It sustained them. But there was an instruction that they were given. And the instruction that they were given was, I want you to only take enough for today. I don't want you to go out there and try to gather as much manna as you might need for the week so that you don't have to go out tomorrow and pick up the manna. I want you to go and pick up just enough for today because if you trust me, then you will uh, see that tomorrow the manna is going to be there as well. And on a daily basis, you will go out and you can gather what you need Of that manna, that thing to sustain you. You see, I believe that God was trying to teach us something through that. He's trying to teach us that it is a daily thing that to to need Him. It is a daily thing to come to the bread of life. It's a daily thing that we come and and it's not just fill up on Sunday. And it's going to carry me through the rest of the week. But we ought to allow the word to speak to us on a regular basis. The word of God will, will sustain you. It will mature you. It will feed you and, and help you to grow. If you, uh, if you, uh, if you eat enough of it, you may, you may see some changes begin to happen in your, in your body. Just like what may happen if you eat enough food. You may see some changes that begin to happen in your body and you will grow and you will mature. The same happens when we dive into the Word of God. The Word of God, it becomes a guardrail for your life. When I 
point to this as being something that it's the spirit that's leading us. What I'm talking about is it, the word of God becomes these guardrails for us. You know when you begin to get outside of the word of God that you are beyond the guardrails. You're beyond where you ought to be. And, and the word is, is a guardrail that's keeping you. It's a familiar path that the spirit is able to lead you down. You're, you, when you are familiar with the word and you're uh, intently going to the word of God, the spirit will lead you on a daily basis and it will lead you uh, on the same, uh, same pathway that the words will lead you. I better hurry up. We have a lot to get through today. The second way that the Spirit leads us is through prayer. We see the effects of prayer in the early church. And we could go to so many different verses. But we'll go here to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 beginning in verse number 9. Tells us that on the morrow as they went on their journey, they drew nigh to the city. Peter, he went up upon the housetop to pray on about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and he would have eaten. But while they uh, made ready, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up in a certain vessel descending unto him as, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and it let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and the wild beasts, and the creeping things, and there, uh, and the fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him that said, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Now while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, you see that passage right there, and it's, uh, direct evidence of being spirit led that as he's praying, as he's, he's received this vision, he hears a voice that tells him there's some men that are going to be down, uh, down at the house. I want you to go down. I want you to meet them. This is something when we talk about being spirit led, this is a man who was in prayer. And as he's in prayer, God gives him a vision. He doesn't fully understand what the vision means, but he hears a voice that's telling him, okay, the next thing to do is to go down and we have some men that are going to meet you. We can uh, go on to the next verse here. Next slide. Verse 34, it says that Peter, he opened his mouth and he said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And so what has taken place here is these men have led Peter to go to a Gentile's house. Now the Gentiles uh, were still uh, they, the, the Jews, the apostles. They, they, weren't, they were still unsure of whether or not this uh, message that Jesus brought to the world was for them or not. But Peter... He goes and he says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the words. That they received the Spirit in the same way that they had received it at the beginning. Now, why do we go to these verses here in in talking in prayer? It's because this all began when Peter spent some time in prayer. He, he, He was waiting for dinner. 
He was up on the housetop and he's just waiting there. And as he's there, it says that he began to pray. And as he began to pray, God began to speak to him and lead him and direct him. And we see a revival that begins to open up in the Gentiles. It's no longer just for the Jews, but now we have a Gentile that would receive the word of God and would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we... And uh, we can see the same thing happen in our life as we begin to pray. We can hear the voice of God begin to prompt us and direct us in certain areas. And it's through prayer that God will open up, uh, open up areas in our life that he's, he will try to direct us in certain, uh, into certain places. And the, the third way, the third way that the spirit will lead us is through the preached word of God. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, that it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Through the foolishness of preaching. The preached word of God. And now this does not always ha- have to happen uh, in a church building and on a, a platform, but uh, this can happen uh, you know, anywhere that, that we would allow the word of God to be sent forth and to speak to us. And there's somebody that would speak the word of God to us. But the preached word of God is, uh, it is, is a way that the Lord would speak to us and the spirit may lead us. Now I want to, uh, let's, let's focus back in on this, this passage that we began with in Psalm chapter 23 as we begin to look at the evidence of the Spirit. These evidences, as as we have those three voices that are speaking to us, the Word of God, prayer, and preaching, and as those things are leading us and guiding us and directing us, then what is the evidence that we are then being led by those things? What's the evidence in my life that the Word of God is leading me? Not just that I'm digesting it, and not just that I'm uh, uh, just you know seeing the words on the page and they're they're passing through my eyes, but how do I know that it's leading me? How do I know that in my prayer time I'm being led by God? How do I know that uh, upon hearing the preached word of God, that it's not just going in one ear and out the other, but it's leading me? The first evidence that we may find, we see it in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not be in need of anything. And why is that? It's because the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have a shepherd just that has limited resources. My shepherd has unlimited resources. My shepherd, he never runs out of green pastures. My shepherd, he never... He never is, is confused about where the next place that I ought to go is. He, my shepherd, he, he always knows the right path to, to lead me on. My shepherd, I can always depend on him. There is nothing in, uh, as long as I'm following my shepherd that, that when I depend on him, I will be found wanting because I shall not want when the Lord is my shepherd because I am fully dependent on him. Now, we are in this, uh, throughout scripture, we are, uh, as God's people, likened to the sheep 
Now, you'll notice that it's not the goat. There's a different, there, there are many differences between sheep and goats. And, and we, you see these differences um, come out, and I believe they, they can speak to us today. And, and we see some passages even that, that talk about the, uh, the separation of the sheep and the goats, and that God will uh, one day separate the sheep from the goats, and, and that we are called to be sheep and not to be goats. Uh, and, and we see these differences here in the sheep and the goats. And the first thing that you may notice uh, when you are comparing a sheep to a goat is that the goat is a very independent animal. Whereas a sheep is dependent. That The sheep will uh, is, is very dependent upon the shepherd. When it has a shepherd that is leading it and guiding it, uh, you will find that it's its natural tendency is to be dependent upon that shepherd, whereas the natural tendency of the goat is to be independent. You'll see a goat that is very stubborn and a sheep that is more gentle in nature. You see the goat that is a browser. It's going to, uh, when it's finding food, it will eat just absolutely everything. It doesn't matter what is, is, is nearby. And in fact, uh, I was just, uh, I was just at my, uh, parents' house yesterday and, and, uh, there were some goats that are there and, and I, uh, Langston, uh, was, he just loves all these animals there when he's, he goes, he's got to see all the animals and he was standing there at the fence and, and the, the, those little goats that were there, they, uh, stuck my hand in, uh, just to pet one of them and it began chomping down on my finger. And I, at that time, I said, all right, Langston, don't stick your hand in there. I don't, I don't want you to, to get your finger chomped off. But, but these goats, they, they will just eat anything. But they're browsers. They will not just eat the, the grass that's on the ground. They stick their head up. They're eating all the leaves. They're eating everything in sight. Whereas the, the, the sheep are grazers. They're going to focus in on the grass. Now, you say, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I, I want my attention to be on uh, the, the life-sustaining things that uh, come from the nutrients of the soil. And as the shepherd would lead me, he leads me to green pastures. And, and he leads me to places where my head can be down. And it's, it's in, in, in a place where I trust that he has led me to the, uh, to the, the place of, uh, that will sustain me. And, and I'm not just browsing everywhere looking for for life, you know, in, in everything that, or looking for food and everything that life would bring me. You see goats that tend to travel alone or in small groups, whereas sheep exhibit the flock behavior along with many other sheep. And you see these differences between the two, and I believe it speaks to us today as the sheep of God, as the ones who are called to be the sheep and exhibit the behavior of sheep, that they are dependent on God and that we would come together and that we would bind together as the sheep of God and, and, and that we would uh, follow the one voice of the shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus, he said that he is the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that's a hireling and not the shepherd who's owned the sheep or not, he sees that wolf coming, 
And he leaves the sheep, he flees. And the wolf goes and it catches them and it scattereth the sheep. And the hireling fleeth because he's just a hireling. He cares not for the sheep. And he reiterates again, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and they are known of mine. And as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So the question is, who is the shepherd of your life? Who is leading you today? Are you the shepherd of your life? Is it Hollywood? Is it the news channel that you watch? Is it your best friend? Is it your co-worker? What is, what is the, the shepherd? Who is the shepherd of your life? For me, I want to put, put God. I want to put the Spirit of God as, as the shepherd of my life. I want to put that as the very thing that would lead me and guide me because all of these other things are just hirelings. They don't really care about you. Now you say, well, I sure care about myself and I can, I can take care of myself, but the reality is God even loves you more than you would love yourself. And God, He wants better for you than you want for yourself. And God will lead you to places that you yourself will lead your, lead you into troubles, whereas God will lead you to the place of, of safety and protection that God knows all things and the hireling is unable to fix all of your troubles, but the shepherd will be there for you when life is falling apart. When the wolf comes, the shepherd just flees. He doesn't care about you, but the, or the hireling just flees, but the shepherd stays put and the shepherd fins off that wolf that comes your way because the shepherd of your life, you can be dependent on him. You can be dependent on God today. The second evidence that we see of a spirit-led life is that of contentment. Contentment is, um, is, is something that perhaps many struggle with here in America because we are a blessed people. I was just speaking to somebody recently that was, was talking about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the poor and, and the fact that there are people in, in other nations that, uh, they just, are not as, as blessed as we are here and, and why doesn't God love them as, as much as He loves us and, and we being, uh, you know, seeing our lives in, in comparison to them, you would think that God would, uh, would love them enough to, to help them. But, and I, I told them, you know, when I look around, I see People who have little that love God and they trust God so much more than somebody who has everything. It's one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to, to get you to, uh, to, to think that just blessings in this life is always a blessing. And it's always coming from God. And if he can just get you to believe that, that things and the, the accumulation of, of things is, is what it's all about, then he's won the battle because God is saying, I don't, it's not about all of that. It's about you being content with what I have given you. And you can be, uh, content. It tells us in Philippians that you can be content in whatsoever state you are in. Paul writes that to the the church of Philippi. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am am therewith to be content. 
that I know both how to be abased and how to abound. That everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Contentment is something that, uh, that we as uh, being spirit led uh, see the evidence of that, that. That it's not just about the accumulation of things. Stop focusing on what you don't have in life and start focusing on what you do have in Jesus Christ. When you begin focusing on what you do have, you realize that God is more than enough. This is one of the, this was, this was the issue with, uh, the original sin there in the garden, that they had everything except for one thing. But yet they weren't content with that. And, and, and the, this lying snake began to speak to them and says, ah, there's one thing that you can't have. Don't you want that? They weren't content. He began to speak against their contentment and, and they were not being led of the spirit. They were not being led by God when they, uh, when they went after the thing that God had forbidden. Um, and, and they found themselves in a place of reproach against God. It tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. So when you understand your identity as a child of God, that will give you true contentment. I don't believe that God is completely against blessing us in, in a material way. I believe that, that you, can, uh, you can have material blessings in, in your life, but... That is not the end-all, be-all. The not being satisfied with what God has already given you is, is a, a clear sign that you are not uh, being led by the Spirit of God. Because contentment is, is, is an evidence. That contentment is a result of having no higher ambition than God's plan for your life and on His timetable. I understand that God wants me to be blessed, but it's going to be on His timetable. It's on His timetable. And, and there's some things that I wish I could have that I'm only going to see when I get up to heaven. And that's all right, because it's on God's timetable. And I want everything that God would have for me, but I, I and, and nothing more than that. Let us be content with what God has given us. The third evidence that we see of being led by the Spirit, and I already looked at this just a, a little, uh, mentioned this a little as the, the pathway or the highway that the Spirit will lead us on. But it tells us in Psalm 23, verses 2 through 3, that He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, the green pastures, they have boundaries. The green pastures, they don't just extend on and on and on. There's boundaries to the green pastures. And I trust that he will lead me to the green pastures. Sometimes we look over and we say, well, that grass over there looks greener than it does over here. 
But sometimes that's because there's just a whole lot of manure that's been spread over on the other side. And you get over there and you begin to stink of the manure that makes that look like green grass and green pastures. And God says, I led you here to these green pastures for a reason. I want to keep you out of the mess of those other pastures. I want to keep you out of the mess that all of that other stuff that looks good to you is going to end up uh, heaping upon your life. And I I don't want you to have the stench of the world on you. I want you to come right here and to stay within the boundaries of these green pastures that I lead you to. He says, I will lead you on the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness. Matthew 7, 14, Jesus tells us that narrow is the way. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven, leads to life. It's, it's not just a, uh, you know, try to figure it out on your own, just do whatever you want. No, it narrow is the way. The path of righteousness is a narrow way, but God will lead you along that path. When you trust Him, God will lead you along that path. The fourth evidence that we see of being led by the Spirit is that you will receive comfort in the storm. Verse 4 of Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Spirit will give you peace in the midst of the storm. Because you know that you are just walking through the valley, you're not living in the valley. He didn't say, I'm bringing you to the valley to live the rest of the days of your life. No, he says, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you don't have to fear any evil, for I am with you. We're going to come through this. We're going to go through the valley, but you're okay. It's just a storm. It's just a valley. You're going to come through this. You can have comfort and peace in the midst of the valley. I've seen so many who are led of the Spirit of God. And in doing so, you might say, well, your life circumstances circumstances sure seem to be uh, you know, chaotic. And they say, well, I feel just fine because I trust God. I trust God. And you can trust God in the midst of the chaos. You can trust God in the midst of the storm. The last thing, and we're closing, coming to a close here today. I know I'm running over in time. Our last evidence that you are led of the Spirit of God is that you are living in the overflow. Those final verses of Psalm chapter 23 say that thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup it runneth over. My cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. In a spirit led life, God will provide whatever you lack. Whatever you find yourself lacking, I believe that God is able to provide it. It tells us in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is my strength. That God is able to come in and give me strength when I need it. He's able to produce joy out of my weakness because He is my strength. He is my provider and God will help me to live in the overflow. In John chapter 7, we'll finish with this. Verse 38, it tells us of of living in the Spirit of God. That he that believeth on me, as Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living 
water. That means water that continues to flow out of it. Water that is bubbling up and you as being a spirit filled individual and being led by the spirit of God will see a continual evidence of God working in your life. That's that water that's continuing to flow. You can live in the overflow as you walk in the spirit. Amen. As we As we come to a close here today, I know we have all of our Sunday school classes that are making their way in, but I wonder if all around this place, if we could just lift up our hands, we're just going to, we're just going to sing a song here to close out this, uh, this this sermon here this morning. But if you could just lift up your hand and just pray, God, I pray that you would just help me. God, as, as, as one who is, uh, wanting to be led by your spirit, God, as one who is who is hoping to uh, to not get off the path, Lord. Let me evaluate my life. Help me to look for the evidence that these three voices are leading me and not just voices. God, that I am responding to the word, that I'm responding in prayer as you would guide me and lead me. God, that I'm responding to the word that is preached. God, help me to to look for the evidence in my life that I'm being led of the Spirit. God, I love you today. I commit myself to you. God, I want to be led by you. I trust you. Well, do you trust him today?